The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. Merry New Year! I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter, and you can find me at EB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And the sound effect you heard come from none other than Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Hello, Brooklyn! <laughs> that looked really crazy. But anyway, um... Yes, Merry New Year to each and every one of you. Uh, happy 2021, all I got mess. Happy, as someone said, a happy old year uh, ending. <laughs> as, uh, as, a, as, a, as a person I know said, I'm like, yep, good. Get that Seriously, trash out of here. Yeah, here's to survival, folks. I know, right? Yeah. Drinks up, teas up, all that kind of good stuff. But... Um, on that note, uh, you can find this here podcast on the CSPN.us, Coastal is a Podcast Network. Do it today. You can also find it as your podcast for the place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal is a Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to subscribe. Indeed. And we record every, well, normally every Thursday night, uh, which we should be getting back into the swing of that uh, for the new year. Um, Thursday nights, 9.30ish p.m. on either, well, on both the YouTube channel of the Click Click Nation, that's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, all one word, or twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Make sure to subscribe, press like, and all that other good stuff. Yeah, we actually have seven followers on the um, on the Twitch channel, and if we get up to fifty, yeah, we get up to fifty, we can actually upload some stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Which that's a weird thing to do, but I get it. So, uh, folks, we this is a you know a normal episode and don't know why I'm saying that because you know we don't have any Mandalorian we don't have any movie well we do have one movie that's probably that's going to be mentioned in a second but um uh but you know we we're we are Mandalorian less we are uh, away from Wonder Woman at this point Wonder Woman 84 at this point so you know this ought to be a nice little 
nice little ditty. We also got our 400th episode coming up uh, in a couple of episodes. It might be three episodes from now. It might be two episodes from now, actually. Right. I was going to say it might be two episodes from now and uh, it might actually coincide with. Oh, no. You know what it is? It's going to drop right before we get our very first view of fate of the MCU phase four, starting with WandaVision on Friday, January 15th. It Well, it may. It depends. Um, actually, and I think about it, it's still going to be three episodes, but it depends on whether those are going to be three regular episodes or whether uh, I drop another episode uh, or whether I drop a um, treasure edition. Right. And right. So I'm looking at I'm just looking at the calendar based on uh, the date that we are recording this now. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's it's funny. WandaVision's not as far as it seems. Nope. Two weeks far away. More. Holy cow. Yeah. So I'm I'm actually looking more forward to I mean not that I wasn't already, but I'm actually looking forward to it uh the closer it gets. You know, because we still don't know what the hell that thing is. Or more to I the mean, point we have our suspicions, but right. given like more, more given to the point of where that's going. Happening, right. Given what we think might be happening and given what we know of uh the Scarlet Witch's you know, power set in the MCU, they could be wildly, you know, they could be uh, uh, adapting this in like the most offbeat way, or it could be in a very much comic book way, you know, based on some of the images that we've seen. So, you know, I'm very much curious to see what they do and how, and I'm curious to see how they interpret uh, some of the, uh, the comic book stories and, and, and translate them into MCU form for a television series. Right. Yeah, especially like like you said, like the where we know it's going into it. And it's like, yeah, they, there's there might be a little bit more than what we've actually seen in the trailers, right? Um, so we shall see how that rolls out. But until then, I say we get into some comic books. Um, and we said we were going to start off with, um. Avengers 40. Right. Avengers 40. Uh, this is, this issue is written by Jason Aaron with art by Javier Garon and colors by David Curiel. Um, I'm happy to say that I wanted to help start this week off with uh, an actual potential click of the week for me mm. with this issue. Um, before we Before we get started with the story, I wanted to stress that as I was flipping through this, uh, I, I, I saw, or I, or at least I felt like uh, Javier Garon's art seemed to be its cleanest and 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 uh, and strongest that it's been in a while. I know that uh, he had been doing some Miles Morales Spider-Man from from uh, the the last I remember him before him tra- uh, transitioning over to the Avengers book, but I'm looking at this and I'm just. Uh, you know, looking at it like, wow, you know, he, I guess, um, you know, he's really getting some support from, uh, you know, the color artist one and two, you know, he's really putting down some really uh, finished looking layouts, probably, you know, this is, you know, there's some really strong stuff here. Um, yeah, I actually, now that you say that, I, I want to say it was him that was on Twitter 
um, on a side note, because uh, I believe he was saying, like, uh, wasn't he on Spider-Woman? I don't think so. Who was it then? Hold on. Hold on. I don't think so. I'm not sure who you're referring to. Um, Javier Garon. No, no, no. But in terms of uh, the art, I don't remember him being on Spider Woman. My memory could be faulty. No, you you might be right. I don't know. It was. It was. Um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, and it's for, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's him. It was somebody else. And I'm trying to remember who that person was. And I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. But. So it's irrelevant in this case, but I thought I was—I thought it was him at first. That was the one um, saying some stuff about how how much his art has changed. But gotcha, so. gotcha, gotcha. Well, I would say that before you know, before we we move to the story, I wanted to comment that Garone's art definitely hues closely to what we've seen in the pages of Avengers previously. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, I don't want to say that there's a house style for the Avengers books um, right now, kind of like how um, Pepe Larraz and 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 uh, and um, uh, Marty Gracia's uh, colors and um, um, who's the other artist who was on Hawks Pox? He, uh, his name is escaping me. Uh, Pepe Larraz. Um... Hell, I don't remember now. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. But the point is, there's almost like a, a, a house style for the X Men as well, right? So it feels like uh, it feels like Javier Garone is adap- is adapting to the Avengers house style, and um, you know, it, it's just it's really solid stuff. I, I I commend him. I really noticed that up front, and the reason why you notice it up front is. Um, this issue is, you know, jumps directly into the middle of what I called the Phoenix Tournament. Sounds very much like uh, uh, a King of Fighters thing or a, or a Tekken thing. Um, not necessarily a Street Fighter thing, though. Um, I, I jokingly called this what, and, and, and I did see an article, an opinion piece at least, uh, that stated what I uh, what, what I was thinking, which is this is what Ten of Swords should have been, in my humble opinion. We literally have a brief setup of the stakes, and we jump right into the Phoenix Tournament with the with some great movie references and some great Doctor Doom, and we even get the return of Namor and the Defenders of the Deep. Which also uh, had me had gave me an issue because I do remember from um, Agents of Atlas, you know everything that went on with that. But I still find myself saying, knowing full well who's in this group now, why this person is with this group, and that person being Wave. Because you, if you see her with the established shot of of Namor and, the, and the, the defenders coming in, you see her in the background in the back. I'm saying, like, why is she here? I didn't even see that. Yeah. I'm like, she she doesn't seem like the I mean, I know like, you know, Namor was trying to sway her into uh into um you know helping out, especially since that, she saved uh Atlantis. That but, her, wait, are you saying that's her with the spear? I believe so. Is that not? 
I I don't think that's the uh, she has a, 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 a slightly brighter, you know, and, 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 and nothing against David Curiel, but I don't think that's her color palette, like her costume colors. And that was the other thing I was wondering about with that, because I know, yeah, because I know there was a woman in the group, but I was like, that was like, look like, look like wave. So I don't yeah, know. I yeah, could be. I, all, that, I, yeah, I don't think that's wave. Um, I'm going to just take a quick peek to see uh, who that might be. But um, yeah, the, the color palette for the costume and the costume doesn't match. Right. Okay, so I'm not crazy, or I am kind of crazy, but I'm not. Yeah, crazy. It's just you're just mistaking it for something else. So right, you're like, one character or the other. Yeah, because I was like, wait, 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 hold on, <laughs> that didn't look right. Yeah, Defenders of the Deep. I'm gonna look up to see which character that is. That is that Andromeda? Maybe. Oh, let's see. I'm gonna check the uh, the current roster of characters who are on this. Yeah, it could be Andromeda. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's Andromeda. I don't think that's Wave. That's definitely not Wave. The costume doesn't match. Okay. Okay. That's why I didn't bump on it. Right. Because it because it got through me for a second, but it's already like, wait, why does that look that looks like Wave to me? But now I'm looking at Wave and. And actually, I need to go back to the book, which I won't do at this very second. So funny. Yeah, I know. Her, her colors are brighter, and um, she does have this uh, like similar-looking, um, uh, what do you want to call it, shoulder pads. But she's, got, uh, she's, she's unfortunately got some uh, midriff-bearing uh, uh, stuff there where um, this character doesn't. I think that, I'm pretty sure that's Andromeda. Gotcha. Okay. Well, anyway, not to belabor it too much longer, but I was like, that that was just seemed seemed kind of weird for me at first blush. First, uh, first blush. Sure. Um, but outside of that, um, here we go. I'm sitting here looking at this thing like real quick. Mm, yeah. Well, anyway, it's irrelevant at this point because they 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 do from some sh- from a couple of shots, but I do see the midriff thing you're talking about. So yeah, outside of that, they did kind of looks kind of similar, but gotcha. not not so much. Say, where... I was gonna sing. I was gonna sing "Sweet Georgia Brown" because as of January first, two thousand twenty-one, that song entered the public domain. So I can <laughs> sing it without having to worry about any rights issues whatsoever. Well. Okay, <laughs> but um, for for me with Avengers Forty, just so we can kind of get get, uh, get past that point, um, uh, as we get chimed in from our, one of our other co-hosts. Um, right, we're getting click of the week uh, candidates as we speak. Yeah, sometimes it happens. Um, but yeah, like like I said before on the show, like that whole first page monologue that Cat was doing. Um, which as age of 77, I knew already that it was kind of setting up the, the stakes, but it was the most cap. It was the most unlike cap, uh, cap, like, um, monologue that I've kind of heard in recent memory. And I, and there was some, you know, even later on in the course of the book, there was like a, you know, the MCU, um, 
an MCU cap reference uh, put in, which happened. So that's not that big of a deal. But I was like, I don't know. Sometimes it's like weird to see in pages. Um, well, it is. Is you know, it's it's the it's the the comic book creators working the other way, right? You know, drawing from the cinematic universe to 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 create, um, you know, to create uh, moments and, and 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 characterizations in the comics that we may not have expected had it not been for the movie. So yeah, that's definitely a little weird. But um, but getting back to the you know this confrontation at the beginning of the book. Um, you know, we have what I jokingly referred to as the Phoenix tournament. And, um, this is all about the Phoenix looking to find a new host. And, um, over the course of the book, it's established that, and I'm just going to ring the spoiler bell because, uh, if you've been keeping up with Avengers, you understand exactly where this is going, but if not, uh, you'll be spoiled. So three, two, one. The Phoenix is looking for a new host, and that is the whole point of this Phoenix tournament. So our first combatants are uh, level one, fight, Captain America versus Doctor Doom. Um, the article I read uh, uh, likened this to uh, a game of Marvel versus Capcom or, you know, Marvel superheroes. Facts. Yeah, I can see that. Sure. You know, especially since the two characters – much like in the first Marvel superheroes game, um, we're able to draw upon uh, portions of the Phoenix Force to do, uh, you know, to to uh, to engage in combat, you know, to to enhance their capabilities. The same way in Marvel superheroes, you could uh, wield uh, uh, any one of the Infinity Stones that gets um, wield during the game to right. help enhance your attacks, right, or defense. Right, correct. Um, but yeah, what was I gonna say about that? I don't remember. But um, uh, yeah, that though, like they, they pretty much was cutting back and forth between uh, that point uh, and uh, you know previously or of you know past events leading up to it. I guess you could say that, that led up to this. You know, which is where we see uh, Namor coming in with uh, with the defenders and. T'Challa trying to talk to the Phoenix Force and all that kind of good mess, and um, and you and in the course of the um, actually it was kind of early on, um, T'Challa says something obviously mentioning going harkening harkening back to um, Avengers versus X Men, and right. um, says something like, "Well, yeah, we 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 could have all handled that better." And I kind of wonder if this is Jason Aaron's way of saying like, "Yeah, probably could have done some things different with AVX." Mm. You know, um, I, as I say in my notes, it, could this could this end up being his mea culpa? Which I don't think it. I, I, now that I'm thinking about it, it's like it may not need to be that because I mean, AVX had some moments that weren't great. It's a second bite at the apple. That's right. really what it comes down to. It's a second chance to maybe tell a fuller story involving the Phoenix Force. Right. So, like, he can kind of kind of clean some of that up. Uh, it probably won't go all the way to where I would want it to. But, you know, there's it's at this point, it doesn't necessarily need to. Uh, that being said, though, um, there was also enough of, of a reference because Wolverine shows up in this and and Cap was like, hey, you know, during during AVX, uh, you know, we fought on the same side. What side are we on now? And Wolverine's like, yeah, we don't have any, uh, we don't have any problem with you people yet. Mm-hmm. 
which is you know leading which is obviously some some from from foreshadowing to I'm going to assume future stuff in uh in in the high spots, but I don't know how he would know that. But actually, but but also you know what's also been going on just currently in the X Men where you know the um, uh uh humans have been pretty much um trying to trying to take a run at uh, Krakoa different in different ways and the people of Krakoa in different ways. So uh that was an interesting um reference to uh right. but also I was about to say there's even a, a, an infinity war reference yes. when heroes start disappearing. Yeah <laughs> right that are left like where'd they go? <laughs> right so right and yeah as i just said this, this whole phoenix tournament which actually i'm going and i think i just saw that um the reference to that article that you were talking about saying that um the, about the this this is uh what um how, um ten of swords would should have been i disagree with that but <laughs> so at least so far anyway we're, we still there's right, still, we're literally one issue in right but at this point I'm like eh no nah, I'm good because I, I as I said before the show and, and Agent 70 already knows this anyway um, you know it's like I like um, Tennis Souls for what it was you know the, that is just wasn't just just knocked out Dragon Pikes and don't get me wrong I do enjoy those and the, and the whole concept of champion thing I loved and this probably it looks like it's going to have a little bit of that in it uh, especially with given who as we see on the last page of the book, who gets called, quote unquote, who who is the ones who got snatched? Um, Definitely, that is an eclectic. A shout out to uh, at eclectic and at eclectic uh, discussion podcast and uh, and all of his podcasts. You need to listen to him. Right. Um, yeah, that is truly an eclectic mix of folks mm-hmm. who are candidates to wield the Phoenix Force. Some of which we hadn't seen in a, in a little bit. Uh, you know. Some of which makes sense. So, mm-hmm. so I'm actually kind of looking looking forward to see how they how the how this uh, all works out. But and one Howard the Duck because well, Howard that's one of them exactly. So I thought that was pretty funny to see you know him on this roster. There's one character before we move on at the end of this issue. Is that supposed to be Jack Flag or who is that long haired dude um next to uh uh the eyeball dude? I think that was um um he's so I think he's a part of uh he's I wanna say that's um American Eagle. Because mm. I, I was wondering that too, but I think that might be who that is. Cause I know he's been in the Avengers book. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, and then there's a couple other people that was in here. It's like, why is this person here? And a person that we haven't seen that would... Actually, a couple of people that we've seen recently and a couple that is going to end up causing problems for the Avengers, I think, going forward that's in here. So that ought to be very interesting. <laughs> uh that. Huh? More than a couple. Yeah, yeah, more than a couple. Well, yeah, yeah. But I mean, but, but, but the, the couple I'm thinking about are, are the ones that haven't really, you know, they've had moments here and there, but not really had their had their arc yet. 
Right. We've had we, there's literally two members of the Squadron Supreme here. So. Right. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so that being said, that was a Avengers 40. Yeah, I I enjoyed reading this. Um, like I said, the the, the couple of little quibblings aside, it was um, it was a good read. But I'm also thinking like, okay, there's a lot of flash here, but let's see how the rest of this pans out. Well, I think the setup with the the rest of the members of the tournament, I think, really bodes well for the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Because of, like we said, the really eclectic mix of characters. It's not just um, the A listers, right? There's definitely C listers in here. <laughs> Some would say yes, yes, indeed. But in, in true contest of champion style, also uh, the harking back on that again, that kind of tends to happen also because you, if you go back to read any of the other two uh, contests of champions, it's like, like, who are these people? Why are these even you know <laughs> matched up, much less tiered? Right. So, but hopefully it'll be fun. That being said, let us move on. Unless you got something else on it. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, to well, what's next? can go right back around to the one we were going to start with, uh, which is because it's a, it's kind of a light week folks. Um, you know, because of, um, the holiday. So not saying there's not good books, even in that moment, but you know, there's, there's still still, in terms of, yeah, it's a little light in terms of the releases, the number of releases out this past week. So, uh, it's a you know it's just a little bit on the light side so there's a little bit of a few you know we don't have as many books to choose from right so amazing spider-man 55 which is is this the last yes of the last remains uh art it is it is it's written by nick spencer with art by patrick gleason and colors by edgar delgado Mm mm-hmm so I was like, and actually, I'm, I'm you know, I don't need to open this up back because I actually read this a few days ago. Because <laughs> we are mm-hmm. a little, little behind the scene, we are recording this on a Saturday as opposed to Thursday because of what I said earlier. But okay, well, great. <laughs> so um, yeah, we have. Um, Basically, it's a little dinner party with Kindred and Peter and, you know, the the rest of the web uh, who's been caught after the, the LR issue, the last LR issue. And Mary Jane's popping up, uh, coming to pop up. So, um, which, going back to something I said maybe, what, last episode, I think, when this got brought up, um, something along that line did happen, but not doesn't it doesn't appear to be in the way that you know, as it doesn't appear to be as bad as um, what it could have been, which I won't spoil that part. Um, but basically, it just the, for the majority issue with a couple of little action scenes ends up, uh, um, you know, Mary Jane trying to come in and trying to talk things down, but also not knowing that uh, uh, Harry, uh, not Harry Resborn, Norma Osborne is using her for a reason. Right. It's all a setup. Mm hmm. You know, and my comment on this was that things actually go kind of predictably bad yeah. as the confrontation is set up by Norman Osborn and the Kingpin with Spidey and Kindred. So, you know, as soon as, you know, as soon as all this was happening, you knew it was going to go badly for anybody connected to the heroes. So, 
you know, and the most vulnerable is the person that may have taken the the worst hit in this situation. Uh, and we're we're literally rolling right out of this last remains arc right into. And I guess how how Spencer decided to break this up was that the last remains arc was going to uh, involve the reveal of Kindred, the the possible reveal of uh, his plans. And we're leaving the last remains arc of the story and jumping right into the plans of Norman Osborn and the Kingpin uh, as they move against Kindred. And I also wanted to say that there are progressively stronger hints throughout this uh, last remains storyline that Kindred, you know, there are progressively stronger hints that Kindred is a direct result of the One More Day storyline. Yeah, there was even, and I, I don't know if you noticed that Brand New Day reference also. Uh, I don't know if that was a, a reference to Brand New Day, but the words Brand New Day came up. I'm like, really? We're going to do yeah. this? Huh? So. Yeah, yeah, one more day, Brand New Day, that's all, you know, inter- obviously interrelated. Exactly. Um, you know, li- literally, uh, Mary Jean comes out and says, he doesn't remember. That's a direct callback to uh, that, mm-hmm. you know, where MJ does, apparently, so... Um, I've decided to try to blot all that out of my memory. So, uh, I was, I, I, I needed a little bit of coaxing and cueing, uh, from Spencer's story to, to get all those memories jogged. Right. Um, but, uh, but as I said, uh, we're getting progressively stronger hints that that's where this particular, um, change in character for Harry Osborn came from. Mm-hmm. And I would dare say that what we what we are led to believe that happening is a an effect of some pretty good effective acting and uh, stage work. Let's just say I, I'm having the strong feeling of that, and not what we thought, as you were saying, you know, some someone taking the brunt of a hit. Mm-hmm. Because especially with the way they were talking uh, near the end of this uh, epi- uh, issue, which is also kind of weird because something happens. Uh, something right. gets something happens at the end of this issue. Is like, wait, where, what's what's going on here? What is you know? All right. Well, we'll see. You know, we you know we we're left on a cliffhanger, so right. we'll see. Which is cool, but conjecture like, on conjecture on either side on either of our sides is simply that because that's literally the cliffhanger because the last page fades to black. It's right. like the end of the Sopranos. So I was actually going to mention that too. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I'm glad we were there on that one, but I'm um, like, really, we're gonna we're gonna do that here, but right, but it was definitely it it was definitely a, a resonant ending. I had to look honestly, all that thought, all that thought. I actually that's all I had to say. At my physical copy, just mm-hmm. to make sure that black page was there too. No, 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 yeah, I just I had just looked at it myself, so I I knew it was there, but but it was the page leading up to that was like, like wait, what is causing this, like. And, and and I was sitting here like, well, I was trying to think of what could possibly have caused this because we have never had we not had we have not had any indication of anything, you know, going into this that would indicate something that would do this later. But also, there was a lot about this we just still don't know about. So, right. Um. So I so I definitely found myself like, what? <laughs> hmm. But yeah, so that's uh, Amazing Spider-Man 55. This is, we're at the end of the last remains and we're going into, uh, do we actually know what the next arc is going to, uh, the name of the next arc is? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, because I know it's been pretty good about saying, but uh, apparently, no, we, we did not. 
I think we do because I know from uh, from solicits that we have seen it, but I don't remember what it is right now, and it's not saying in the say, book. That's where we would have to look. We'd have to look into the solicitations for uh, the January books, right? So it's 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 irrelevant. We'll find out next issue, which will probably be like what next week or so. <laughs> Uh, that being said, though, we can move on to another book. And I don't think Watch next. Thing that starts with A, so I think we can kind of get away from that. <laughs> um, you got anything you want to? Uh, yeah. Uh, one book I think we both read that definitely took a little bit of a swerve is Shang-Chi number four. Mm, yes. So uh, this book is, uh, again, written by Jean Luen Yang, with art by D.K. Ruan. The flashback sequences are by Philip Tan, and the colors by Sebastian Chang. Um, Shang-Chi communes with his dead uncle and actually finds out not everything is as he was told it was with regards to both his father and his uncle. Um, also, a greater connection between the world of Doctor Strange and the world of Shang-Chi is established here in the story. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. And and part of me, which I had to look this up, so I think, uh, as far as I could tell, there is no connection here. I've uh, Because there's someone that shows up in, during a flashback sequence with the last name of Harkness. Um, which... Uh, Pun a little research does not seem to be related to Agatha. Unless well, Isaac? Huh? Why wouldn't it be? What do you mean, why wouldn't it be? They have is there another character that's that's established that the that there's a Harkness that's not related to Agatha Harkness? Um there's a well, there's a few that haven't been around in a while and none of them are dudes. Um I was about to say they might be establishing another character. You know, yeah. That, that, well, I was going to get to that also, but yeah, that could be something that that that's new enough to where they have that that hasn't been updated yet to as a as a link. But like I said, that's why I said you know initial initial um you know uh, initial research into the character didn't kind of come up with anything. Yeah, gotcha. I mean, what we do get though is, um, and here's the strong hint: uh, someone. Uh, who's not a fan of people who come to bargain shows up. Um, yeah. Also, uh, you know, and, and and we also get a reference to, like I said earlier, uh, a, a part of the Doctor Strange corner of the Marvel Universe that uh, that gets strongly referenced here uh, in 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 the Shang Chi world. So it's interesting to see the the the, the two parts of the Marvel Universe come together. In that way, that weren't necessarily connected before, because they, we we all know that they are redoing the origin of Shang Chi and the origin of um, uh, you know his his father and, and and where it's all coming from in terms of uh, uh, you know the, the the character's motivations as opposed to what they used to be back in the seventies. Mm-hmm. So you know we're we're seeing that play out we're seeing the 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 retcon of, of that character play out and so we are getting some logical i think connections being uh played out uh between different corners of the marvel universe yes which um kind of like another book that i'll that'll probably be mentioned in rapid fire um 
but yeah, so at the end of this, like uh, Agent Seven said, like yeah, there's some there's some some family things that get uh, some truth that uh, gets told a lot, but also a little bit of um, some seeds of distrust get sown. Oh yeah, sown near the end of this uh, by way of a by proxy. Um, and this is the penultimate issue of this miniseries, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. So, you know, we only got one more issue left after this. And um, I, part of me kind of hopes that, um, part of me kind of hopes that, hey, <clears throat> this is one of those ones that's like, no, it's a, it's a, we're going to actually keep going. You know, but I think if I'm not, well, no, that's a one shot, so that's not the case. So, but uh, if if not, um, this has been a pretty sh- strong book, uh, right? Uh, well, it, you know, okay. from, we, well, yeah, it was a pretty strong book from what we've read so far. So hopefully, it's going to end out strong, and I don't have any reason to believe that it won't. Right, I definitely enjoyed this issue for the twist on the Zhengzhou origin. Mm-hmm. Right. I definitely I definitely got you know, I, I definitely got the idea of where they might go with the movie, you know, where where they're looking to reform like I said, they're just looking to reform and retcon the characters, you know, into a, a newer modern existence. So it's interesting to see how it goes. And I was mildly surprised to see that this that this is where Jean Luen Yang decided to take the story of um Shang Chi's ancestors, right? Uh, in this, you know, you know, in this particular issue, we only have one issue left to see um, how this particular story wraps. My gut says that this mini is going to lead into another mini, probably, probably leading up to the movie. Right. Like so that's what have... I think. We haven't seen like February solicits yet. I don't think, or if they're coming out, this might you know they might be leading up to something in March. Well, you no, that's what we have seen because uh, February solicits is what we're just getting Marches, so we would have had seen February before right. now. Right. They but they pushed the movie into the summer, right? Or was is or is it not in the fall? Um, I don't remember, but yeah, they did definitely push it though. Uh, right, especially so because of uh, it... you know filming issues and whatnot. Exactly. Well, I mean, considering that they put Black Widow into the May slot now. Right. Right. So since they put Black Widow into the May slot, then what they're going to end up doing is putting Shang-Chi into the late summer slot. And that gives them more time to, you know, get a book together to help lead into that. So my hope is that they will wrap this mini and possibly put out another one. Right or like or the, I said, or, or like movie. I like I would really hope it's like no, we're just, we're just gonna keep it going, <laughs> you know. But which like, we again, like uh, like you said, we haven't really seen any evidence of that. So right. Um, and I know, like I was saying, the only other thing I know we're getting is like another one shot. Correct. So yeah, we'll see. We're, we're, I'm hoping, you know, at the very least, I'm hoping you're right about that. That we do get a, you know, that there is another. Um, you know, a mini series outside of that one shot that's gonna that's gonna pop through before the movie, or another, another ongoing, which would be great. Right, let's hope. So, that being the case, um, I don't know. I guess that's uh, we do X Men. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Mm. So yeah, we'll do X Men number sixteen, and then we'll hit rapid fire. To which, sure. um, 
well, I just do the creative team because I'm going to make a, there was a note I wanted to make about the art, but. I was about to say, we need to get into a good habit of at least shouting out the creative teams for the books we talk about. Mm, um, it, it would also help us um, when we do our year-end notes. Um, uh, X-Men number 16 is written by Jonathan Hickman, and the art, including the colors, is by the great Phil Noto. Mm-hmm. To which I was to which I'm going to know. I've always loved uh, Noto's art, even when he's done like the Star Wars books. And I know I've noticed um, a change from speaking of that to this. And I'm not saying the art is bad or anything, but um, and some of that still kind of sort of applies here. But I feel like he has refined his art uh, to where he doesn't have to put in as much. I dare say put in as much work as he was doing with some of that whole, some of his older like watercolory um you know um um interiors or even color covers for that matter but he's kind of refined to the word that it still works out and it's still good stuff you know um but that being said like I said no desire is great <laughs> it's always great it's always will be well it's uh, always you know the the, the stress for me the stress has always been on noto's faces and facial expressions which mm-hmm. do so much to convey emotion and the story and to assist in the storytelling mm-hmm. so that i believe has always been noto's strong suit and he continues to excel with that here um you know getting to the story um you know, there, there's really just a, a few big story beats in this issue, and they're really based around Krakoa and Arako all of a sudden not really getting along with each other in the wake of Ten of Swords. Right. Even though they are in really close proximity to each other now, but the the entities of Krakoa, the literal entities of Krakoa and Arako, they haven't come to blows but they are definitely not getting along. Well, it weirdly makes sense. And it also, because um, I think this is like the last big tie, I want to say, to Ten of Storage, right? Because this was pretty much the last stuff that had not been taken care of. Because uh, like the, all the, the, pretty much everybody's back from Resurrections, you know. Um, you know oh, yeah, this is the direct aftermath, really. Right. You know, direct aftermath of the two, uh, the two islands coming close but no cigar together. <laughs> right. And in that, you know, because I, I totally forgot about the one part of the rest of, uh, Aro, uh um, Araco, you know, uh, was in exchange, uh, in the, in the bartering at the end of, uh, at the end of the, the, the event. And that pops up here, like literally pops up here, uh, in between the two places. Um, because that's where the uh, eternal gate was. Um, but yeah, I, as I say in my notes, uh, Krakoa and Arako being two islands and being two two separate entities uh, don't copulate <laughs> because they try to get together and they just don't. And as it explains, as it is explained in this book, it's been so long since they've been apart that they are pretty much two different, very different people, quote unquote. Um, right. because of time and, and, and you know, things of, that have happened between them. So right. they are... Both nature and, I was about to say, it's a difference of both nature and nurture. Right. As of where Arako had to come of age. Right. 
So, and, and I guess that was going to lend itself for the people of both uh, places, as we have, as we will see in this, Oh, that's, we have actually already seen in, in this because there was a, that whole conversation with, uh, between, uh, uh, P- Magneto, Professor X and, um, Iska, which was actually kind of funny also to me. Cause professor like, Oh, here's a plant. <laughs> we brought a housewarming plant, uh, a plant of a, of a gateway. And it was like, and it's cause you can almost hear it. was like, Oh, that's so sweet. But oh, you're a sweet summer child. Do you? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I understood, you know, like logically it made so much sense because mm-hmm. if they're going to be just a, a hazardous swim away from each other, why not have a Cohen gateway to help facilitate travel back and forth? Right. But yeah, I, Definitely, definitely got Isco's point of view on that as well. Right. Who who basically says, like, look, we came way different from y'all do than y'all are in, in this uh, place. Uh, so, you know, but, but we also find out that they have their own version of the Quiet Council also um, during, the, during the pages of this issue. Um, and I think I had, like, one question... As to why Iska, now granted the the the, um, the the data page on their council kind of bears this out, but I was kind of wondering like where was Red Root, who is the speaker for Araco, in this? Because we see Doug, you know, in uh, a group looking version of Krakoa, um, you know, and going off to meet the 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 uh, parallel version of Araco, but Doug seems to be the only one there now obviously you know given his powers he could you know he could pretty much talk to both of them so that's not that big of an issue but right. i was I, expecting yeah. but i was actually expecting the Araco, right we're right. missing the Araco translator type right gotcha. like and and which is also going back to the ten of swords like i slightly surprised that it wasn't them two that uh that got hitched um you know in some sort of symbolism no, because that would make too much sense. They're all about trying to subvert what makes sense. Yeah, I know, I know. But hey, whatever. He's got a bay, so it's all good. Um, <laughs> which actually, and in this issue, we um, we come to find out that yeah, the, he informs the Quiet Council of this, and they respond like you kind of expect the members would. Uh, but lastly, in, in that before Professor X was like, you know what? Yeah, this is all nice. Well, Doug's like, yeah. And I think Doug was probably was going to say something slightly different than than Professor X was going to say uh, before before he interrupted him. He was like, "Yeah, we got other things we got to deal with, um, more important things." Um, you know, so so there was that, and that's when it goes into the whole um, the Isco thing, if I'm not mistaken, later on. But the last part of this that uh, we find out about is that. Um, and we've been kind of getting shades of this uh, in the last few issues, or at least last few issues, and probably even going, you know, further than that if you probably think about it. But um, uh, Professor wants Gene back on the council and Scott on the council, and they both were like, "Nah," because we want to reestablish the X Men, uh, essentially. So they were asked, "Well, how you want to do that?" And at the end of this issue, we get. Um, I guess a little bit of democracy that's going to happen on that front, which I kind of made me laugh. Cause I kind of feel like I, we didn't see uh, professor X's, um, uh, reaction, reaction to this. Yeah. But I'm sitting here like, 
I can see him with a, like a smirk on his face, like, really? Is this, <laughs> you want to let the people do this? Right, seriously. I mean, you know, it, you know, having it be having the next line above the X Men uh, be determined by a vote of the Krakoan citizenry is going to prove interesting. It's right. going to be, uh, you know, it may possibly serve as an allegory for current day politics, and that brings a great big sigh to me. <laughs> but um, also, I would, I would, I would note that you should, if you haven't already, look closely at what looks like the uh like election poster and kind of like a a a a sample ballot in a sense because um one it has uh cyclops doing i guess the the Krakoan yes. salute which is like a variation of the wakandan salute it's you know it's different angle to i guess show an x as opposed to a w sure um if you look at it um i noticed it but yeah and and what you notice is uh you know that uh you know the 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 announcement of the uh, the elections for uh the the roster of the X-Men um you know calling themselves for the people and uh the notice of the people who are eligible to be voted onto the X-Men can come from any of the um the the groups that are on Krakoa except for the Quiet Council which makes sense Well, yeah, they mostly makes sense anyway. Um, so that would let out people like, you know, you know well, Xavier wouldn't be a part of it, like Magneto, Magneto, Xavier. So, which also um, worth noting, by the way, um, uh, Arako's version of the Quiet Council, sorry, are made up of all, uh, according to the data pages, are made up of all uh, Omega, Omega mutants. Um... Of which, you know, obviously, Krakoa's is not. Right. So whether that's going to come up somewhere, I, I suspect it will come up at some point. For and also suffering from the same issues that uh, Quiet Council have is where there are kind of sort of unfilled seats. Like it was hinted at, there was like, yeah, well, they're they're they've got nine seats, but there are three rumored to be unfilled, or something right. like that. Um, so I suspect something's going to happen with it because we still haven't seen what what they're going to do about the seats uh, that were missing on the, the, the on the Quiet Council, and they've been pretty much um, not really doing anything about that anytime soon. So, I, but I suspect that's going to come up at some point. So, and anyway, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to see what they're going to do with this uh, this whole. Um, <laughs> electing X-Men thing. You know, what's funny is that, uh, uh, you know, I, I <laughs> it's just, go- I think it's just going to prove to be a pretty, uh, a pretty blatant attempt by Jason Aaron to get the quirkiest team of X-Men he can together in, you know, in this new iteration. Mm. It's just going to be quirky as all get out. Hmm. Perhaps. You know, and think about it. He's not going to have Nightcrawler won't be on it because he's on the Quiet Council. Wait, uh, Hickman? Yeah. You said you said Jason Aaron. No, no, I said Hickman. Um. Well, okay. if I said Aaron, I meant you did Hickman say Jason Aaron. Yeah. I think I started with Jason. Right. Um, so I think this is Hickman's attempt to put together um, uh, an X Men team that's like super quirky, and it won't have Nightcrawler. It won't have Mystique on it. 
Right. Um, you know, I'm thinking of who some of the other uh, members of the Quiet Council that have proven to be relatively popular mainstays of the X-Men teams in the last several years. So, right. Uh, well, let's see. Because uh, Kate's, well, yeah, Kate, Magneto, mm-hmm. uh, Emma, I guess. Yeah. Right. So. Right, right, right. You know, some sinister probably wasn't going to be on there, but <laughs> he's not case. a field operative, right? As, as he, he has proven, field operative, right? You know, see Hellions number what four <laughs> or five, whatever issue that whatever, was. Yeah, whatever the last few were. Yeah, the last couple of were definitely. Um, hell, you can even go back to number one and, and say that, and, and he wasn't even a part of the team. Um, but. So that's that of uh, X Men team. Like that uh, X Men sixteen. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing you know, saying how that plays out. That's kind of funny. All right, all right. Rapid fire. Spin it up. Um, I shall go. All right. Um, Werewolf by Night. Number three, which uh, this is going to be really good by uh, me trying to type and talk at the same time. Um, so Red Wolf is narrating uh, as, as he tries to calm Jake down in Werewolf Farm. There's some version of a song because, you know, music plays a part of this whole thing. Um, he's also having thoughts about his name, his namesake. Excuse me, and things that he's realized, uh, thinks that he's realized his purpose that, um, you know, coming through time. Because as folks may or may not know, this Red Wolf is a time displaced, uh, is, has been time displaced because he came out of like the 1840s or whatever, whatever he was But he's, they've not, Marvel's not really done that much with him. Like he, they teamed him up with Hawkeye for, for a minute and they got him doing this here now, but they really hadn't had him, had any real reasoning for bringing him into the future or into the present time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always been a thing with me that every time he's shown up, it's like, why are you doing this? And I don't understand it. Uh, but this could possibly be why, or at least that's what he's thinking at this point. Um, Red Wolf also tells Jake of the possible legacy of the first werewolf by night, not the one that we all know. Um, or possibly not. I mean, I'm not really sure uh, sure about that, but it would seem, but especially since um, Red Wolf is from a different time where there was one, I believe that's where he said he was uh, knew about one, or it might even be talking about Jack Russell, but I kind of seriously doubt it, um, that he kind of recounts this story of a legacy that he wasn't sure if it was true until he met Jake at the, the, this point. Jake responds to a back to the future reference, or at least as far as what some articles more than likely is going to say. Uh, but at the end of this, you know, this, the, the, the bad guys that were looking for him in the first place, uh, lure him into a trap. Um, and we will see how that goes next issue. And I believe this is also a five issue mini series of which, of which this is three of. So we still got a couple more issues to go. We don't know where it's going to end up. But there. Uh, power pack number 21. So wait. Somehow Alex and Julie were aged up in space you know, somehow. They, there's some weird explanation as well, even though they're the same age. You know, they, they pretty much did the same. They did the same thing with them as they did with magic. Um, back in the day, in a, in a roundabout way, but this one was weirdly 
not um, a parent. Well, it's like what they, it's what they did with Franklin and Valeria. Well, there's that too. But well, I feel like that one was a little bit more. I can't say it was a little more organic, but it's comics, so there's no because they're in space. You know, they're all in space. You know, right. it's just that the Fantastic Four came back first, right? Um, but we've seen that more than we've seen them. I'm like, who's caring about power back outside of um, um, <laughs> um uh, Matt Wayne? <laughs> Shout out to Matt Wayne '97, by the way. Oh yeah, um, you know, but it happened in the you know in the in the side story of the uh, Future Foundation. Oh, I know, so. I know, I know. But it's still like that was kind of one of those things that was like, yeah, you saw it, but it was even. And I was reading the book, so like it wasn't, mm-hmm. it was there, but it wasn't that as apparent as you would think it would be. Regardless, though, um, we get introduced to Agent Aether, who is probably a kid in a grown-up body. Comes to find out that that's not true. Close, but not, but not really. Um, Julie saves them from being taken away because this is also a uh, outlaw tie-in, by the way, which, you know, how that's going is real patchwork. Um, mm-hmm. See, superheroes have cards now. The, the the pack clearly doesn't know how Spidey, how old Spidey is because there's this talk of having, because of the Kamala Law stuff and they need a mentor because they're all under 21, you know, um, uh, they go off looking for a mentor, you know, and one of the mention, one of the mentors, which is actually kind of funny. I, this is why this is probably a particular click of the week for me, which is a weird thing to say because it's power pack. Uh, Throg gets mentioned as a mentor, so they go to Asgard to try to look, you know, to basically first try to look for to get Thor, but obviously Thor's kind of busy with running the place. And then it was like, oh yeah, no, here's a sign talking about um, that happened, had something to do with Thor Throg. Uh, that was kind of amusing. Um, during the course of their, you know, going through the motions of finding people to mentor in them, including going to the worst person ever uh, to do so, Tony Stark. Um, but uh, apparently, you would think on first blush that uh, Agent, uh, I was about to say Agent 70, Agent Aether works for big electricity, but come to find out that it's a ruse. And of course, um, the. Uh, an old FF villain is behind it that we come to find out who it is. Um, that actually, you might say, has some ties to the Future Foundation, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, who, and who also should have shredded his autobiography. But we'll find out what's go- what's going to go on with that um, at a later date. Or at the when the next book. Which I got Power Fact number 21, which I don't think that's... Wait. It's power pack number two. I don't know where that one came from. Mm. So my apologies there. There we go. Um, Transformers Escape number one. Uh, Supposedly they're spinning out of Transformers 2425. Things get a little rougher for the Autobots in a couple of ways. Uh, one from what's going on on Cybertron with Megatron pretty much taking over and uh, uh, taking over the place and Decepticons rising. Uh, the other is from the Insecticons coming back to Cybertron from Transformers Galaxy, which they were on another planet during that. Uh, Woodjack tries to revive the ARC program. Yes, that ARC. Uh, a long thought gone bot, whom I don't think we've previously know of, or at least some of us may, may not previously know of, uh, is poised to return at the end of this issue. 
Um, this weirdly enough kind of felt like this was um, this could have been Transformers twenty six or something like that because there was kind of more of the uh, Cybertron stuff as opposed to the the side, the story that is uh, that is set up to be in that Wheeljack starting up you know starting up the art program which we know is the program that ends up uh, bringing the Transformers to Earth at some later date. Uh, but speaking of Transformers twenty six. Uh, Optimus makes his first speech still looking for him for answers uh, Megatron starts to entrench the Decepticons in place Pyromagna sends a long distance voicemail to someone who ends up showing up I'm not even sure who Pyromagna is but apparently someone who's had some issues with uh, authority uh, Soundwave at least the media Cyclonus has something against Sixshot for some reason uh, Starstream offices services to Megatron and Soundwave is not having having it, which if you, if you didn't love Soundwave anymore, I mean, uh, if you already love Soundwave, I, this kind of um, adds to that in a way that we never really got saw depicted in G1 animated form, honestly. Because in this version of, uh, of uh, Soundwave is a senator, but he's also still on Megatron's, you know, he's on Megatron's side, so and then apparently there's a little um, little beef between him and Star Starscream. Um, there's also talk of the Enigma of Combination, of which you know, if you've seen recent Transformers um, animated fair or specifically the the Machinima stuff, you you kind of know uh, p- part of that. And I guess we are seeing the final fate of Termagex's stunt double. Uh, who causes a little trouble. And we also see a little Megatron, I mean, excuse me, Galvatron coming out while the real, real Termagex uh, relocates somewhere else. So whether we're going to see that character again, I don't know. Uh, and that is it for me. All right. So uh, for myself in rapid fire, first I have King in Black, Iron Man, Doctor Doom, number one. It's written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Salvador La Roca and colors by Guru EFX. This is a surprising potential click of the week for me. This was a fun one shot that sets the King in Black story firmly in the holiday season where the symbiotes infect jolly old St. Nick, leaving Victor and Tony to deal with that. It's actually a pretty amusing book. So uh, while Roddy Cat is shaking his head at the concept, which is pretty much what I did too, I kind of enjoyed the execution of the story. But also it's giving me flashbacks of Iron Man 3 and I'm not having it. <laughs> and don't ask me Next, why that is. because Well, obviously it's why that is. You know who's behind it. But regardless. Next, anyway. Right. But, but I was about to say also we don't have, um, whatchamacallit, a, a little kid in it. So. Um, True. We do have coming up next is Wolverine number eight, which also doubles as number 350. It's written by Benjamin Percy with art by Adam Kubert and uh, Victor Bogdanovich on a a framing sequence, a prologue sequence. sequence. Uh, The colors on Kubert's section are by uh, Antonio Fabella uh, on Bogdanovich's. It's Matthew Wilson. Wolverine is on the hunt for his former Team X teammate, David North, a.k.a. Maverick. I kind of thought he was dead from the legacy virus, but but my memory betrays me. So as with uh, so many things, uh, X, you know, you know, if you remember back when Maverick was first introduced, it's been a long time. Right. Since he that. And does that even matter now that Resurrection Protocols? 
Yeah, but the point is, was he resurrected mm. on on Krakoa and then kind of went out on his own again? That doesn't seem likely. Gotcha. So you know, at least at least in the way that the stories have been told so far, if they're welcomed into the fold and resurrected on Krakoa, they tend to stay on Krakoa. True. So um, that is that. And the last book I have this week is Batman Annual number five. It's written by James Tinian the fourth or Tinian the fourth, with art by the one James Stoko. I always enjoy seeing Stoko's art. You have to check out Godzilla, the half century war that he did. Um, beautiful stuff. I have it collect. I have the individual issues. I have it collected in both a soft cover and a hard cover trade paperback. I love that story so much. Um, they tell the origin story of, Cl- of the new character clown hunter as he obtains the help of Dr. Tompkins at, and her free clinic in crime alley. I really enjoyed just seeing Stoko um, really get to let loose uh, in an entire issue, I may end up having to uh, pick up this issue in a hard copy just because I enjoyed looking at it, uh, you know, just flipping between pages so much. So that's it for me. So here come our clicks of the week. Uh, I was going to ask you who did that. Um... Uh, Godzilla book you're talking about, and it looks like it's IDW from back in yes. 2013. Yes. yes, it's IDW. Yeah. Cool. Uh, clicks of the highly, week. For, huh? Highly recommend. I highly recommend Godzilla The Half Century War. Gotcha, gotcha. So, clicks of the week. Um, oh, actually, well, I actually that in a second, but um, clicks of the week, we got one from. Uh, Tim, which was X Men uh, number sixteen, so it's a good pick. Um, right? Do you have yours? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Avengers number forty because mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. Um, like I said, it's what I felt like Ten of Swords really should have been uh, a surprise second place pick, uh, which really gave me pause. Was King and Black Iron Man Doctor Doom number one? It was actually really fun. And actually, that which brings me to the question I was going to ask you is that do they give some sort of time frame for that outside of Christmas? Meaning, because you know what the what's in the recent happenings of Doctor Doom and also I guess this week's Avengers. Like, is it, does it, you is know, it, I was about to say it's really more the time frame that they set is really more in the wake of King and Black Number Two. Sure. It's coming directly on the heels of King and Black number two, which dropped last week. So um, it almost serves as the next chapter. I don't have the reading list in front of me for King and Black, but the this Iron Man Doctor Doom special, it's a one shot. Right. Uh, it literally, fall, uh, literally comes on the heels of uh, King and Black number two. So that's the proper way to set, um, you know, when this is happening in the grand scheme of the Marvel universe. Also bear in mind that um, the Avenger storyline that the, that they were talking about today and starting this week basically pulls all these characters other than the Avengers who are actively fighting or at least actively dealing with the 
the phoenix nesting ne- uh, near uh, Avenger uh, near the mountain near Avengers Mountain, mm-hmm. um, literally plucks all these characters out from wherever they are in the time you know uh, wherever they are uh, at that time you know from wherever they are. Sure, but I was thinking in relation to the Doctor Doom book, but yeah, I guess it doesn't probably doesn't matter one way or the other. Right. It really is. It really is on the heels. Like literally, you see the connection between the ending of King of Black Two and this issue. Right. Okay. Fine. Uh, I did like X-Men 16. That's definitely was a potential for me. Uh, uh, well, I don't know if it was a potential, but it was a good. Uh, Shang-Chi was also actually a, a potential um, click. But I think I am going to, and I'm kind of crazy that I'm saying this, Power Pack number two. Wow! <laughs> is the one I am going with. Okay. So... Yeah, I it was a it was a it was a interesting read, um, I, like and it was it was fun uh, for the for the most. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. <laughs> yes, indeed. So yeah, that's that. Uh, and with that, we were going to go push over into the cinematic news, but first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Wink. A personalized wine club. I hope everyone has recovered from their New Year's hangover that they incurred on their couch. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. It's your personalized wine club. From rosé to cabernet to toronte, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash Wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c wink wines through cspn do it today now we get into the news and we start off as we do every week with the cinematic news uh wonder woman 1984 hides a black adam easter egg which we i totally forgot to bring up um, when we talked about Wonder Woman 84 last week, and I also totally forgot about putting the timestamps in for that conversation of last week, which I still forgot to continue to do, but with, hey, well, at least the video versions will have that, you know, taken care of. But regardless, hey, enjoy it either way. So basically, the the, uh, the link is, um, they mentioned Bialia. Right. Uh, so, and if you know anything about the Black, Black Adam and uh, in, in that... There you go. Um, next up. Right. It's a small mention. Right. You know, it's a small mention. But it was actually kind of cool, though. Yeah, I mean, I noticed it. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been funny, though, if they said Kandak, though, or Kandak. Right. I was thinking they were that, going to. 
Right. If they had said that, that would have been super obvious. Right. Um, so following a strong opening weekend from Wonder Woman 1984, uh, really, uh, Warner Brothers has given Wonder Woman 3 the green light with star Gal Gadot to return as the titular character and Patty Jenkins to return as writer and director. This Not written by Zack Snyder. Oh, yes. <laughs> and thank you. Because, uh, yes. Um, so a writer for last week's uh, show. Uh, yeah. Wonder Woman 84 was not written by Zack Snyder, and I was conflating the fact that the first Wonder Woman uh, movie was co-written by uh, Zack Snyder, however, and um, it was Jeff Johns on this one, I believe you said? Right. It was Jeff Johns and Patty Jenkins. And Patty Jenkins, yeah. So there was that. But yeah, but again, like I said, it shouldn't be a surprise that they they, they fast-tracked this. Like I said, um, even the way it came out, I'm you know, and I, I don't, no one has seen any numbers for me outside of them. So whatever strong opening that they're saying that this is, is coming from, I don't feel like it's a big surprise that they fast tracked another one. Mm-hmm. So, and we did have the stories last week. It was like, well, if they did get another one, X, Y, Z, you know, that kind of stuff. So I guess they'll get that chance to do, right. their, you know, but cool. Next up. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984's Pedro Pascal forgot he was in the 2011 Wonder Woman pilot, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Pedro Pascal admitted, uh, has admitted he briefly forgot that he was cast in NBC's failed 2011 Wonder Woman TV pilot, the one that was done, going to be done by David E. Kelly, which I'm still going to say that's a weird pick to, to do a thing like that. Um, David E. Kelly from Ally McBeal and other places. Um, and of course we know Adrian Palicki who ends up being Mockingbird, uh, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was going to be Wonder Woman. And I think that pilot is probably still floating around out there. Uh, and Pedro Pascal was going to be Ed Indelicanto, Indelicanto, her liaison to the LAPD. Ooh. Uh, exactly. And, um, I know that there's been, that whole thing was pretty much, uh, David Kelly doing David Kelly stuff and setting them pretty much changing uh, some Wonder Woman X things uh, in this. So it's probably better that it didn't happen. Um, but I think he also, Pedro Pascal said here that, um, let's see. Um, oh, getting Wonder Woman 1984 blew my mind so much that, that anything that had ever happened to me prior, I don't recall. I had no association. Uh, and that's not to say that getting the Wonder Woman pilot from 2011 wasn't a, a party for me, and I was devastated it didn't get picked up. Um, but he also says that, um, I think he goes on to say something that was like an interesting choices. He, he almost pretty much says it was it was a interesting choices that were being made on that one. Or at least that's my paraphrasing of of of, of his um, what he says here. And interesting is a is a word to use here, I guess. Anyway, next up. Next up, according to DC Films president Walter Hamada, the company is looking to release up to four theatrical films as well as two HBO Max exclusive films per year starting in 2022. In a recent interview with the New York Times, which somehow I didn't read, Hamada explained that starting in 2022, 
up to four DC movies, specifically the ones that are the most expensive to make, could release in theaters each year. Not only that, but DC Films and Warner Media are also aiming to put out an additional two movies per year as HBO Max exclusives. The Times speculates or theorizes that the films released only on HBO Max could be DC's, quote, riskier projects, such as the Michael B. Jordan-produced Static Shock film and the long-gestating Batgirl movie. However, keep in mind that this is mainly speculation uh, by the Times and that Hamada himself did not specify which films would be getting HBO Max releases. I guess they don't want to jump on the MCU bandwagon, bandwagon and put out a six-issue miniseries. Six-episode no, six miniseries, that is. Right. And honestly, if the I I feel like the theories, if they did something, if they do something like that, would probably be the case. And the indications of the quote unquote riskier projects, as such as the one mentioned, kind mm-hmm. of tell a tale. If that being the case, and I would not be surprised if they did that, and that would kind of, in a way, that would kind of suck. Um, but it is what it is at the point. Who knows they they who knows what they're doing at this point. Next up, though. Uh, the Flash is expected to start filming soon. Uh, that being the movie, I think, not the show. Uh, so after going through numerous delays and changes to the director, the DC Extended Universe's The Flash solo movie is expected to begin filming soon. Some site, whatever, whoever has reported that The Flash is stated to begin shooting at uh, Warner Brothers' Levesden Studio in the UK in April. A little bit of a, a typo there, by the way, but that's fine. With U.S. casting director Rich Delia attached along with his U.K. counterpart Kate Ringsdale. And, you know, this is the Ezra Miller movie, so yada, yada, yada. We'll see if that happens. Next up. All right. In a blinky of, and you miss it moment, we talked about this last week during our uh, review of Season 2, Episode 8 of The Mandalorian. Features the live-action debut of Bo-Katan's signature starship, whose name I couldn't remember, the Gauntlet. Right, same. A Mandalorian fighter craft, the Gauntlet, and many more like it appeared in Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and Star Wars Rebels. Over the course of both animated series, fans saw plenty of Mandalorians use these ships in combat, whether it was Pre Vizsla, Darth Maul, and his followers, or Bo-Katan's Night Owls. Yeah. <laughs> Pre Vizsla. <laughs> Sucker. Hey, it's um, John Favreau. That's true. how I was about to say. That's how Favreau gets connected to the Star Wars universe until he gets to the Mandalorian. True, true, true. Speaking of the Mandalorian, um, the Mandalorian, um, the Mandalorian beat out the boys as the most pirated TV show in 2020. R. Yeah. Which? That's. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's see. 2020 retrospect would not be complete without looking at the year's most popular pirate television shows. Uh, top spot goes to the Mandalorian, followed by oh, is a excuse me, a position previously held for years by Game of Thrones, um, but also rounding out the top three were The Boys in Westwood, uh, in that order, and apparently Star Trek Picard, which actually did come out last year, and I can say last year at this point because it's a new year, haha, and The Outsider, which I don't know of, took. Uh, took number five and eight slots respectively. So cool. Next. Next up, uh, 
you know, in in kind of uh, we all know, but it's still too bad news. Mm-hmm. The spectacular Spider-Man developer says season three cannot happen. Um, he said, uh, Greg Weisman, the developer of the show, says there is no possibility. The well-remembered series, I agree with that wholeheartedly, <laughs> returns for a third season. Weisman, who developed the animated series with Victor Cook, served as writer and story editor on the Marvel Entertainment and Sony Pictures television production that aired 26 episodes across two seasons. When Sony returned the Spider-Man television rights to Marvel in 2009, Weisman told IGN it was in exchange for concessions on the live-action feature films. Because Sony still owned the now discontinued Spectacular Spider-Man and its respective designs, Disney's Marvel animation started from scratch with an all-new animated series, Ultimate Spider-Man on Disney XD. Asked on Twitter about a possible continuation of Spectacular Spider-Man, Weissman replied, sadly, no. Responding to another user who inquired about there being any possibility of a third season, Weissman tweeted, I don't believe so, no. And we know this. But, um, you know... I, I feel like there's nothing wrong with saying keep hope alive, but folks, in this case, um, I think that's pretty much a done deal. Right. It's pretty much a clusterfunk of uh, licensing and, and arrangement that would 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 probably never work out unless the world was about to end. <laughs> right. What I was going to say is we all know it took Tom Holland to get Sony and Marvel to play nice with each other, you know, at least for the movie's sake. Mm-hmm. Um I don't, you know, I don't think that they that they pulled this particular uh, aspect of the property into those negotiations. Also, so um, you know, Sony, listen, Sony wants to make its dough. Um, they they don't want to help Marvel make any more dough. You know, any more than they can than they have that, to. No, what I was going to say is that they can't share it. That's what I was going to say. Right. Since they signed away the TV, um, the TV rights to Spider Man back to Marvel. Right, but the problem with that, as we've said, when that whole situation came about, uh, was that, you know, obviously the the whole thing in the first place was helping Sony, you know, uh, prop up their their Spider Man license with, you know, because of the fact that they did the Marvel thing. Because obviously, since it was going to go back to them regardless, people were going to be more interested in the movies. But it also helped them both out. But like you said, Sony ain't trying to be interested in sharing the profits any more than they, they actually had to. So, which sucks, but, and I know, um, Agent 70 being a fan of spectacular Spider-Man, you know, spectacular, spectacular Spider-Man. I love that show, man. I I have it on, I I have it on iTunes. You know, I literally bought the the set, so it's really fun. Yeah, and I ended up buying stuff, which I still haven't finished watching it. But uh, I did watch a few episodes. I'm like, yeah, I can, I can see kind of see some things on it. You were pretty much a big champion of it, uh, uh, at the outset of it, at the very least, if not definitely, you know. definitely, definitely. So, anywho, next up, um. Spider-Man fan art casts Giancarlo Esposito as old man Miles Morales. Not the old man Miles Morales that we get from the end comic, by the way. Um, Still yet. Uh, As you can see here, uh, well, if you're watching the video, uh, artist Oscar Romero recently posted his illustration to Instagram, which features uh, Esposito in Morales' iconic red and black Spider-Man suit. New painting! 
Uh, and if you're watching the video version, you can see said illustration right there, which looks actually looks pretty darn good. Um, and you can see the Instagram post uh, right there. But yeah, I would have loved to have seen this in the in the uh, the end Miles Morales uh, gear. Um, you know, which is you know which has a little bit more camo and a hoodie. But uh, mm. but this is pretty cool. Um, and actually, yeah, this article goes on to to mention uh, Miles Morales the end. So there you go. Uh, next up. Next up, Cobra Kai season three is now on Netflix. This dropped uh, just yesterday on Friday, January first. Um, so. Season three dropped on Netflix. Uh, it was originally slated to release on January 8th, but they pushed it up to take advantage of people being home on January 1st. So, you know, I know tons of people have been posting about watching Cobra Kai. So, yeah. they, you know, they were successful in that. Right. Yeah, I I am weirdly less um, interested in this than I had been in first um first hearing about this in season one but i might actually uh, end up checking that did you watch season one or two no oh, okay i haven't either so i have yet to partake in cobra kai i've heard good things mm-hmm. but uh you know it's it's just not something i felt like jumping in on right but yeah but you know it's all out there on netflix now so um probably, i might might peep it probably Speaking of Netflix properties, Netflix drops final launch trailer for Transformers War for Cybertron Earthrise, which has been out since, um, which the show proper has been out since uh, January, uh, excuse me, uh, December 30th, because that's when it drops. Sorry about that. It's okay. I missed something. I missed touch something on my, on my tablet. No problem. But you can, you can pretty much go out there and see the final trailer, but also you can go ahead and actually watch the show, which is like what, six episodes, if I'm not mistaken. I, I yeah. binged it already. It's good. Did you? Yes. I had intended to, uh, honestly. I watched this instead of Cobra Kai. I was like, nah. I mean, that I'm was that was a given. Yeah, I'm Transformers, yo. <laughs> Which is actually kind of funny because the, um, I I watched the first War for Cybertron. Uh, uh, I think it was Siege uh, was the first one of this particular trilogy. Because there's been another trilogy for the war uh, in the past that... Um, machinima did which i wish that was still out there somewhere regardless i saw the first that uh the first one then for some strange reason netflix is acting like i have not watched it or i have not finished watching i'm like you're a lie but regardless it doesn't matter so i plan on watching this with gusto relatively soon and i don't know why i haven't before now and i but i'm also hearing good things like just like you were so especially with all the time travel Mm. potential time travel elements that looks like the trailer was given off. So anyway, next up. Oi, spoiler alert. <laughs> Fast and Furious Spy Racers introduces its own Legion of Doom. The first two seasons of the Fast and Furious and there's already been two seasons of the Fast right. and Furious animated series. Spy Racers introduced uh, several memorable villains. They're memorable Villains to take on Tony Toretto and his high-speed crew as they save the world on missions spanning the globe. And as Spy Racers' third season kicks off, several of these villains resurface to form a team of their own and not only seek revenge against Toretto, but unveil a devastating plan that could shift the global balance of power in their favor. 
Okay. I still kind of wonder if some parts of this, and I doubt versus uh, will will feed back into the movies proper. Like, obviously, uh, this is a kid uh, version, yeah. you know, uh, that was, you know, for, for whatever. And I very seriously doubt it. But even mm. even though Vin Diesel's character did show up in the first episode and probably has since, I don't know. But that would be very funny if it did. Um <laughs> Anyway, um, I think we're going to transition over into the uh, comic book news. I love that sound. Uh, Eternals merch highlights uh, Gemma Chan's and um, Richard Madden's costumes. <clears throat> Excuse me. So apparently uh, new merchandise for the Marvel Cinematic Universe's uh, Eternals film provides a good look at Richard Madden's uh, and Gemma Chan's superhero costumes. Images of the shirts were shared on Twitter, which showcase Madden and Chan's characters in their cosmic suits. Uh, Madden is playing Icarus, a strategist who can fly and project cosmic energy. Beam. Well, you know what? If you know, you know. Chan is playing Cersei. Wait, really? Yes. Okay. For some strange reason, I thought that was going to be someone else. And don't ask me who. But, um... So, yeah, okay. Jim Chan's playing Cersei. Cool. I'm with it. Uh, But if you're watching the video uh, version of this here program, you can see the merch in question, the shirts and the logos and whatnot. Um, That shows off what what. Next up. Next up, Marvel fans will love this 500-piece puzzle featuring many of the superstars of the Marvel Universe. The puzzle measures 14 inches by 19 inches when completed. Roddy Cat should have it up on the screen now. It's mm-hmm. available Entertainment Earth. Yep, $13.99. Maybe you'll be able to find it uh, cheaper. Who knows? But yeah, if you're a puzzle fan, hey, there you go. It's out there. Next up, uh, PlayStation Spider-Man. Uh, Miles Morales stands tall with amazing one-third scale statue. So this is a this is coming from Premium Collectible Studio. Uh, the one-third scale Miles Morales Spider-Man statue, posted by Torax, stands at twenty-nine point five inches tall atop a snowy rooftop base, which features a stone-like architecture, snowy effects, and bas relief. Um, Spider-Man symbols on each side. If you're watching the video, you know what it is. There it is, the picture right there. There's your boy, Miles. Looks good. Um, Did it say the price? Ooh, wow. The premium collectible studios Miles Morales Spider-Man statue will be priced at $1,100.00 for either the standard or exclusive versions and will be available well is already available for for pre-order from Sideshow Collectibles um from the 23rd which is, it looks like it's older over because that was looks like it was a 3 hour window yeah that's a lot next up next up artist Jamie Jamie McKelvey shared an image of his design sheet for the armored advanced suit that was included with the recent release of Marvel's Spider-Man remastered video game. He posted the desi- he posted the designs to his Twitter account along with a few in-game screenshots of the advanced suit's final look. 
He says, oh, I think I was away from Twitter when the suit I designed for the Spider-Man game got released on PS4, so here's my design sheet. He said right. he wrote. Yep, and you can see the the, the Twitter, uh, the tweet of that on the video. Uh, yeah, and obviously since uh, there's a remaster of that Spider-Man game, that suit's also in there, so there you go. Next up, though... Um, what happened to this story? Hello. Um, pardon me for a second, folks. Uh, the link? Yeah, something happened with the link. With that, uh, that one. Some would say the link went. Um, mm-hmm. But pardon me while I pull this back up. Um, don't tell me to took it down. That'd be weird. Here we go. Uh, Marvel Tales, a new Kate Bishop story by Kelly Thompson. So uh, this is a link to a to an to actually a story, a short story on Marvel.com uh, that uh, Kelly Thompson did for Kate Bishop with art by Stefano Caselli and BC's Joe Sabino. Um, so it says, you know, celebrated Hawkeye writer Kelly Thompson has penned an all new prose story starring Kate Bishop. Uh, given the, the, uh, and it's called The More Things Change, The More Things They Stay the Same. And you can read it on this article, um, in the show notes. Cause it's, it's right pretty there. fun. Yeah. I was going to say it's pretty fun. You you also can, uh, get a live reading by Kelly Thompson and, uh, someone else playing, uh, the male characters in the piece, on this week's, this past week's, um, one second, because I, I listened to it already. It was pretty good. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, if, yeah, Kelly, definitely put, put a link in. It. it was, uh, it was this past week's, this week in Marvel. Gotcha. So if you pull up this week in Marvel podcast, shout out to, uh, uh, Ryan Panagos and, um, and um oh uh, god why is her name just you know complete <laughs> i'm completely blinking on her name i know because i see uh, your face oh my gosh why am i completely blinking on her name it's ryan panagos and um i i follow her on twitter and instagram mm-hmm. why am i not remembering this this is so bad it's so bad. But yeah, the point is you can tune in to listen to Kelly Thompson read that out loud. So Jamie, it's pretty. Wait, is it Jamie Frevelet? No. No, that's not it. I know who you're talking about because the. Um... Redhead. Yes, I know. Um, but I can't remember. Killing me. Oh my God. My brain is killing me. This is what happens when I don't take a nap on a Saturday, right? <laughs> Lorraine bad, Sink. Man. Yes, Lorraine Sink. Thank you. Yes. All respect to Lorraine Sink. Sorry about that. Yes, indeed. Um, yes, because like I said, I saw her face. I knew exactly who you were talking about, and I knew that wasn't the name, but it was like that was the name that came up on the podcast thing. Right. Um, but yeah, that's a good show. I, I've, I've checked it out every now, every now and then. Um, anyway, next up. That's um, you. Oh, is that me? Wait. No, I just did that one. No, you have Star Wars. I, I just did the cape. Okay. I, I just, say, oh, wait, wait. Did you, wait, did I, I do the cape? No, I just did the cape. No, you skipped. Oh, you skipped one. Wait, what did I, what did I miss? No, I didn't. You skipped Spidey costume. No, I didn't. Because you moved on to do uh, the cape bishop. Oh, I did do that. You're right. Oh, right. I missed that one. Right. Okay, well, that was. That's all right. I was oh. about to say, did you find the link for that? 
for the Spidey costume. Yes, I do. Oh no! Well, see, that was one of the yeah, because it was both of those were coming off of Marvel.com, and both of those links got messed up. But that one, yeah, I got it now. Okay, so I'll do this one, and yeah. then uh, you'll take the Star Wars story next. Okay. Um, over the years, Spidey has donned a host of iconic costumes. A new costume had been was revealed. Uh, is reve- is going to be revealed in Amazing Spider-Man number sixty-one, but it was uh, um, uh, revealed this past week um, that he's going to get a new costume. Uh, it was designed by superstar artist Dustin Weaver, and this look really does not look like anything that Peter Parker has worn before. It's kind of so, funky. Yeah, it's definitely funky. It's kind of reminiscent of Spider Woman, actually. Uh, the new suit or the old one? No, the, the 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 new suit in terms of the um, just in terms of the spider design. Sure. You know, not 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 overall, but just the spider design. Right. Uh, the mysterious look can be seen on Weaver's incredible variant covers for Amazing Spider-Man sixty-two and April's Amazing Spider-Man sixty-three. Right. Which yeah, just um, I was going to say probably. Some of this probably came out, uh, yeah, because 62 is coming in March, so that probably came out of solicits, mm. which is why this article is is uh, is out. But yeah, I'm, I don't know, I kind of like it. Um, I'm kind of curious as to why he's going to have the suit, which we don't know yet, but we do, uh, as we spoke about in 55, we know that's going to be coming up, you know, fastly. So, right. But we'll see. Next up, though, um, boop. Uh, where does the High Republic start? Um, well, it starts in actually, what's today's date? It's the second. It starts in uh, three days because uh, this article gives pretty much gives a timeline of when we starting to get to, start to get uh, the new books and such uh, that are based in Star Wars: The High Republic. So on January 5th, the light of the Jedi, um, which is from Charles soul, which I believe is a prose novel from Charles soul, um, uh, is going to come out on the fifth. Uh, and then actually a couple of things come out on the fifth, but, the but basically that's when stuff starts. Um, uh, yeah. So there's going to be a couple of books and, and whatnot. I'm not sure if any of this is, um, is um comic book okay that one is but so yeah there's a couple things coming out on the fifth there's something coming out on the sixth and there's some stuff coming out in february so yeah if you're itching to get into and i know there's some star wars fans out there that i that i know of that are waiting uh to see what's up with the the high republic especially with all the um the media that's been out about it already you will shortly get your chance uh next up all right. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, the powers of the Kryptonian heroes make Superman and his family among the most powerful figures within the entire DC universe. But one of their most recently returned figures turns out to have a real time cap on his powers. So this is within the pages of Young Justice. This is Roddy Cap making me open the story. Wait, no, it's from Action Comics 1028. Uh... Okay, so yeah, so this is uh, spoilers for Action Comics 1028 by Bendis and Romita Jr. 
Um, it, it seems that Connor Kent's powers will eventually burn out as part of the story. It may not kill him, but it's going to leave one of the main figures from Young Justice without any of his impressive abilities. Okay, right. Bendis. <laughs> yeah, and first of all, his impressive. I feel like this is the article writer saying that was like his impressive abilities. He's that's not necessarily impressive when he's just a clone of Superman at that point. But you know. Sure. Clearly, this person likes this uh, Superboy. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, movies, TV, and games announcements driving back issue comic book sales. Um, so, when back issues suddenly get hot, said heat can be generated from within the comic market. The recent Marvel Spark Light number nine, King and Black Spike, being an example, or without pretty much any uh, movie, TV, or other media announcement, and the scramble for the first appearances and so on. Uh, so what's happening more uh, more these days? Uh, and is either one better than the other? And this article pretty much goes on to chop that whole thing up about whether or not or how much um, um, movies and TV and games are, are fueling back issue market. Right. I mean, this is not a surprise. This is right. not an old – this is not a new thing. Very much not. I can definitely tell you from my own personal experience, part of me does feed into this um, particular machine because I do subscribe to the Key Collector app, which is kind of um, one of the main engines driving um, the the speculator market right now, um, the Key Collector website, because um, – what they what they have done is essentially created one place where you can monitor um, kind of an aggregate an aggregate of um, uh, pricings uh, uh, prices for hot books that have completed uh, eBay auctions, uh, both uh, mostly in raw books actually, but they also take into account slabbed books, you know, graded and slab books as well. But most of them are for raw books, so um, ultimately, part of what they offer on their website and app is through know, through the subscri- through the subscription service is an idea of what may become um, a hot item. As the as as the, uh, the 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 publishing schedule um, proceeds, so if for example there's a book that's out next week, you'll be able to see in the app if you subscribe what you should be targeting, you know, uh, as a potential uh, speculator type uh, purchase, which is good and bad. You know, let's be let's be let's be real. We've we've lived through. Uh, at least some of us, you know, some of the folks of a certain vintage have lived through at least one speculator boom in comics based upon, um, you know, uh, you know, based upon the idea that uh, uh, people might be uh, buying comics to save for college educations where, you know, they didn't exactly take into account the, the very tried and true principles of supply and demand where the supply definitely – uh, definitely met most of the demand, which means nothing was really that valuable. So, um, as the, the trends have shifted, as the trends have shifted away from print, some of that lends itself towards more speculation uh, because you know because the demand, while low, 
um, has necess- has necessitated a lower supply. Um, you know, any kind of perceived uh, increase in demand might uh, you know might overheat some of these books and their values. And we've definitely seen that in uh, you know in the app. I've seen it in stores. I don't know about you, Radicat. Have you seen any of that um, increased? I'm sure you have. You know, uh, like, um, honestly, I have not really paid that much of attention to it. On the wall books, I mean, you know, when I say wall books, I'm talking about those books that are on display at the right. checkout counter of most comic book stores that are, you know, behind the counter for safety, you know, for security and safety purposes, right. as well as to advertise what uh, hot books the, the store might have in stock uh, to sell. So um, that's, you know, that's that's where you would see it. That's where I tend to see it in, in, in some of the stores I frequent mm-hmm. uh, here in the city. So, um you know, I do see it. I do see it affecting some of the uh, decisions people make when it comes to picking up books. So, you know, it's there. And obviously, with the announcements of uh, um, the, the the future slate of the MCU, um, I'm sure that's going to drive up some books as well. Mm. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll continue to see. I guess. Um, which honestly, I mean, the only thing I, I really don't have anything to say about that's outside is like, that's kind of the thing that's been the hope, especially with publishers, you know, that it goes back the other way that people are watching, you know, pe- people are watching the movies and the shows and then, you know, um, going to the stores and getting the books. And as we have said probably before, um, sometimes they've done good about linking the two, you know. Uh, but they haven't been consistent with it. You know, like even if it's this little thing like, hey, if you like this movie, check out the books, you know, check out the, the comic books, which, like I said, you don't see that much of. Right. Well, yeah. what's difficult is that obviously all of the value, all of the values that people attribute to comic books generally go to first appearances. Right. And so unless they're going to be creating a brand new character in the movies and you're looking for um their first appearance in the comics you know think of a harley quinn right you know unless you get that you're generally going to see these characters and that's really what's you know and and i'll leave you with 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 this one thought that 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 frustrates me as a collector that you know definitely has a large amount of comics i don't have like the biggest collection but i definitely have a large collection and what's frustrating is that it's cool but it's frustrating because you look at like kind of like a one-off book and you're like, well, this is cool. And then you read, then you find out it's a $30 book for some reason. Like, why is this one book $30 of all things? Just like this random issue of, um, uh, of, I think it was uh, Psylocke, the, the swords of Braddock, um, <laughs> uh, book. I literally was, 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 um, sorting through something today. And I was like, I think I have this book. I don't know why it's not showing up in my collection. I realize that there's like this entire section in my X-Men collection of one shots and miniseries that like didn't make it into my last um, uh, collection compilation, you know, my collection scan. So I just had to rectify that. But uh, my point is, I, you know, it's, it, it, it's kind of frustrating because, you know, you get, it, it's the it, it's a, a relation to buyer's remorse it's seller's remorse it's like man i shouldn't have gotten rid of that book why did i get rid of that book mm-hmm. you know so 
Right. You know, you want, to put, you want to downsize, you want to pare down your collection, but at the same time, you're like, well, what do I get rid of? Even the most logical things, you're like, well, you know, at least you can go through, uh, you know, looking for like first appearances and not get rid of those. But then, you know, you never know. Sometimes it's just like a cover appearance, and then you know, it's you'll see the 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 value of a comic skyrocket for what would seem like a silly reason, but it's the worst part about collecting. Well, not not the worst part, but one of the worst parts of collecting. Hmm. And on a sad note, uh, before we push on, um, as we said last week, uh, Batman the animated series is now on HBO Max as well as Batman Beyond. So yeah, go dig in on that, folks. Right, featuring right, right. the you know Harley Quinn, uh, the first appearance of the first actual appearance of Harley Quinn, I should say. Right. Uh, so we are at the end of the news. Yes, I just wanted are. to uh, talk about two things before we wrap the show this week. Oh, okay. um, the first is some sad news. Um, this past week, we found out although he had passed away, literally apparently had passed away on Halloween of this year, of, of last year, October thirty first, twenty twenty. The rapper uh, Daniel D- uh, Daniel Dumoulay. Mm-hmm. Um, his stage name became MF Doom, or simply Doom. He actually uh, had been known as um, Zeb Love X. Oh, what's that? Zeb Love X. Zeb Love. I was about to say I couldn't remember what the first one word was. I remember mm-hmm. Love X um, from uh, KMD, but most people know him as uh, MF Doom, and all of the various, uh, variations and iterations he came up with, like King Ghidorah, all, all nerd culture, all geek culture stuff related, you know, obviously what's that? I was going to say Victor Vaughn as a direct, uh, uh, I was going to get to that. I was going to get to that, you know, like, uh, both, uh, MF being metal face in doom, uh, being a play on Victor Von doom and Victor Vaughn being a play on Victor Von doom. Mm-hmm. Sometimes metal fingers uh, too. Cause they, they, yeah, it was a weird thing. I was like, well, wait, okay. But yeah, metal fingers has also come, come up as once or twice, but definitely right. metal face. Right. So, you know, that was some pretty sad news. Um, you know, because he, he's, um, you know, he, he's obviously heavily influenced, by uh, the comic book cultures and sci-fi culture. So Absolutely. Um, that was some serious, uh, uh, that was a serious blow on New Year's Eve. So, you know, when the, when the news yeah. um, was released. Yeah. He's um, pretty much your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Uh, you know, definitely a favorite of mine for sure, for sure. And, you know, this is in his, uh, not influence, but the, the way comics has influenced his production and rhyming and, and just whole, for, for, for whole persona, you know, is heavily interested in comic books, especially obviously given his name and giving the the mask and and uh, everything surrounding his uh, other personas as well. Right, right. I mean, I freely admit, it, not not uh, there weren't as many of his tracks that had made it into my playlist, but I definitely uh, because he because uh, what's funny about his um, his various personas that's how he's published on places like Spotify. Mm-hmm. So. It's not as easy to go through, you know, like it, there's literally like a playlist for King Ghidorah. There's literally a playlist for Victor Vaughn and there's separate, you know, there's separate um, track listings for MF Doom together as well. So, right. um, you know, but but like I said, that's just minor. That, that's a minor quibble. 
Um, at the end of the day, uh, I'm, I'm going to just go back and, and, and listen to some of the stuff I may not be familiar with, um, as well as the stuff that I'm very much familiar with. So I about uh, say, I suspect at this point, there's probably, if there hasn't been already, there's going to be a compendium of, uh, there's going to be a playlist of, of all of, sure. of the, um, cause I feel like I did one at one point in time, but I don't think I made it. I, I might not even have it, but I feel like I, that would be something I would have done if I hadn't already. I have to check right. out of and I'm most familiar with Doomsday, Operation Doomsday, and um, Mad Villainy. Yeah, uh, that those are the main ones that I was familiar with. But uh, there's so many. There's apparently so many more that I need to take a look at and listen oh, yeah. to. So because they've been putting out some stuff, like even as recently as probably a few months prior to his death, I want to say there's been some stuff that at least I had not heard of, but that that, that was uh, that had been relatively new release, you know, new released. All right. And I also wanted to mention that um, uh, we also had the we, we also got the release of uh, Soul, um, the latest Pixar uh, Disney um, animated feature on Disney Plus over the holidays. And um, I finally got a chance to see it. And I've actually seen it multiple times to, to uh, you know, to kind of uh, take notes and, and, and absorb you know the the, the message there's, there's a lot you know there, there's a lot to it it is definitely an adult oriented um uh movie it's it's kind of tough to see how what parts of it will be appealing to kids but i definitely recommend this movie highly i'm still i'm waiting for roddy cat to to watch it uh if he doesn't i may do a solo i may end up doing a solo um a treasury edition just to just to talk about um you know, I'll reach out to uh, to potential folks if uh, Roddy Cat um, doesn't end up watching this. But um, you know, I'll, I'll reach out to potential um, guests for for that particular show. But I definitely enjoyed um, the Soul movie. I definitely see. You know, I can see some of the problems people might have with it. You know, for 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 different reasons, but not for the, but not for, you know, the problems that people will have with it are not emanating from the message that the or messages that the movie's trying to uh, get across. So that's uh you know that that's uh, that's my like stupendously quickie review of or overview of the the movie Soul from Disney and Pixar. Gotcha. Cool. That being case, um ad read. Oh wait, did we do it? Right? Last ad read. No, we didn't do it yet. Gotcha. Last ad read of the night. You know what happens when it's late and I'm tired? We talk about keeping our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us, then click the keep our podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or that alpha flight. Marvel Legends set that's now on sale for $79.99 again. Oh, wow. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. I feel like we've both been hovering hovering that Alpha Flight set. <laughs> <laughs> That's the price that makes you want to pull the trigger the most. Right? You're getting like six figures for 79, you know, for 80 bucks basically. So it's tough, man. Right. Yeah, because when, so, you know, we were seeing it for like 95, 96 bucks, but then it inflated a little bit over over that. And we've been, 
like the both separately, but kind of um, checking that out. Right. Um, the last time we had a serious discussion about it was when it was seventy nine ninety nine. Right. So, you know, it, apparently it made it through. What, what was what was disappointing before we sign off is that it made it through Prime Day without this without this drop. Right. Which we, I think we were both looking for, thinking that that would have it would have seen a drop then. Exactly. Exactly. So now we see it in the new year, and it's tough, man. Post Christmas. Oh. Right. Well, stay tuned for whether whether either one of us pulls the trigger on that particular purchase. Exactly. And in that, folks, we have come to an end of another exciting episode of the Comic Chronicles. Uh, hey, guess what, folks? It is episode 397, which means we are three, well, two after this, away from 400, 100, 100, 100. 400. Yep. Um, at this moment, we don't necessarily have any plans, but we'll see. I've been thinking about some stuff. I don't know if it's going to come together. Um... So, there is also probably going to be another treasure edition. Uh, maybe not the one that uh, maybe maybe may or may not be the one that Agent Seventy was just talking about. But there may be another one that could potentially speed up uh, the the uh, the four hundred date. I mean the four hundred episode. But we will see. And uh, since this is also the, uh, the a new year, we also have um, end of the year podcast. Uh, that is definitely coming this time, I promise. <laughs> As opposed to last year. Hey, last year was a kind of a cluster, but I can't really blame that on COVID. Um, I did work. Yes, Agent 70 probably has done his, his, his homework on that one, where the rest of us did not, for whatever odd reasons. So we'll see how any of that plays out uh, when that happens. It'll probably, be, I suspect that might be after 400, but we'll see if we can get it, definitely get it good together in this month uh on that folks i have been rodicat you can find me at rodicat on twitter you can find me on news Nurse need on twitter you can find me at cb caps on instagram agent underscore 70 on twitter and instagram uh folks might know that there used to be two other people that would be here with us and uh, one of them would be pc and underscore dirt on twitter Pop Culture Net on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com and all the sites there. And and I, he might still be doing the Vine replacement bite under comic reviews, no vowels. They do join us behind the scenes though, well, with yeah, their click of the week or sometimes. you know <laughs> or or or, uh, or 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 their complaints about what books are, are out so that they don't even come up with the click of the week. So you know. Right. <laughs> Indeed. And uh, also, the Osiris that is ish, uh, figuratively and literally, I, I would guess. Um, Tim, D O G G 98 on Twitter, Pop Culture uh, Net on Twitter, but also CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Book Chronicles the Twitter account. TheClickNation.com, uh, uh, but also Comic Book Resources, which is partially why he's which is mostly why he's well partially why he's so busy uh where he's over at comic resources writing his face off you know becoming a new dad and, and getting the job that you want kind of doesn't leave you much time to you know inclination for much else I respect so uh but that hopefully we will get those gentlemen on for at the very least the 400 uh uh show or and or um the end of the year stuff, but we'll see how that works out. 
Uh, and with that, you can see, you can find this here podcast on uh, the Cole Slither Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find this here podcast as a podcast for a place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or the Coastal Lizard Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. You can find us here every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m., recording live um, on the Click Nation's YouTube channel. That's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, a once more, but also on the Click Nation, uh, excuse me, on blah, 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 blah twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles hit like and subscribe there it is and do that on the podcast places too if you if you feel so inclined you know we don't mind <laughs> and five star reviews people sure yeah hit up hit it up you know smash that like button <laughs> gotta hate that but still so funny anywho uh, we will be back next week, Thursday, at our regular time, like I said. And um, like I said, be on the lookout. Uh, I, I shouldn't give any promises of that, but definitely be on the lookout next Thursday for the next episode. And this has been the Comic Book, comic book Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. Wakanda forever!